I got to make sure that I didn't miss something here. Call it? Yeah, maternity home. Dear Church at Bethel, thank you so much for the air fryer, crock pots, and other kitchen items you donated to Salah's Oasis. Your donations were generous and will impact many families in the home. We cannot thank you enough for your time, effort, and prayers. I pray the Lord's blessing and favor be upon you. Ashley Live Oak, uh, Executive Director of the, the Salah's Oasis. You can't give it away when you give it to him, right? Man. The next thing he does is bigger than the last thing he did. I want to say welcome. I see some new faces. So we're delighted that you're here. And uh, we want you to make yourself at home. If you have your Bible or your iPhone or iPad, hold that up and let's make a declaration. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible seed of the living God. I declare my mind is alert and my heart is receptive. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's revolutionary. I'm reminded of a story, and and many of you have heard it, some have not. I've been to like 10 different countries. Uh, Last week was really a challenge. Um, It really demands sometimes life, it'll pull you through the knothole. It'll demand that you bear fruit, you know. And it's not hard because how many know that a peach tree doesn't really toil to bear peaches. Uh, even in the, one of the most fascinating things is the Lord said, if you bear fruit, I'm going to prune you so you can bear much fruit. If you were to drive down by the peach orchard in January and see a tree in full, uh, full of fruit, you'd be calling the news and the TV stations and all your friends and come and see what I see. And, you know, God creates us to bear fruit in every season. He creates us even under the pressures. Last week was really a challenge. Um, you know, how many know sometimes we take for granted what we have every day and uh, we forget that, man, what a blessing it is, hot water. <laughs> um, I took one cold shower last week and I said, that's like going swimming in the Tutu Mangosa River in Ecuador. I've been there. It's like ice. <laughs> Man, you don't have to stay in very long to know that you, you weren't created for that. And uh, although it's very stimulating, but <laughs> I, I'm too old. I, I don't have anything to prove. <laughs> so <laughs> come on, I, I've, I've come to the place where I'm going to enjoy the journey. So, so the air conditioner people came in and delightful. And I, I was able to share the love of God with three of those young guys and that were there to do that. And they opened the door. They, they opened the door. So I didn't go to try to preach to them. And I told them, I said, I hope I'm not, I don't sound like I'm trying to preach to you. I said, I'm just sharing with you my heart and the truth of what I believe that I, I know that if you know how much you're loved, that's not conditioned upon your past. How many know your past does not define who you are? 
Come on, you understand your circumstances do not define who you are. Other people's opinions don't define. People give us all kinds of titles. I knew when my mother was really being stern with me, if I stayed out longer than she, after she'd called my name, because she called me by my full name, I knew I had to get to the, get to the house. She would say, Finley Wayne, get to this house. So my mom knew me. And she loved me and she was protecting me, but she always wanted me to share in the fellowship of the family. Now, I was reading a book. A friend of mine from Georgia gave me a book called Your God is Too Safe. How many know we can compartmentalize God and put him in a box? We can put him in, our, in a box of rationalization. We can, we can reason God into a box. But he's not really... Restricted by my limited concept of who he is. But he, and we pray, we come to church. Many people think, well, I want to bring him into my world. I used to think that, Lord, I just want to bring you into my world. How many know, thinking like that, maybe the world would be a better place if I could bring him into my world. But that's not his desire. He wants to bring you into his world. Hey, I'm telling you, he wants to bring us into his world. He's, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 6, he has raised us up and made us sit together with him in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. My goodness. Woo. So when you think about that book, Your God is Too Safe, the introduction was quite fascinating to me. I couldn't put it down. It was written by a Baptist pastor from Canada named Mark Buchanan. But he was so prolific. And in that season, I needed to read that. It was probably a year or so before I read the book, after he gave it to me, my friend. And when I read the introduction, it talks about a place called no man's land. It's a hundred yard section between Kenya and Uganda on the border. Some of you have heard me talk about this. It's a place where there's no law. Because Kenya or Uganda, the border, they don't take jurisdiction it's a hundred yard section where if you walked across, there are beggars, there's thieves and robbers. You could be mugged, you could be beaten, you could be killed and nobody would be prosecuted because nobody took jurisdiction. There was no law. How many know the Lord didn't give us law to restrict us? The law came to protect us. As a matter of fact, the old, we're not under the old law because the old covenant law 600 and something laws. My Lord Jesus. And, and he knew we wouldn't be able to keep them. But it was so we could see our condition, but it was also to learn who he is. Because once you know who he is, you discover who he created you to be, and all of a sudden there's great liberty and freedom. And uh, I'm going to be a sight. Come on, you understand. When, when we walked across... The, uh, we got to the, we traveled with the king and the Messiah, Josiah Musha. He's, uh, he's over 800,000 Messiah people in all, uh, on, on the, uh, the east coast, uh, the northern uh, part of Africa, um, from Tanzania to 
uh, the Congo to uh, down to uh, all the way down the coast. He, he's 800,000 people, but we rode with him in a minivan <laughs> from Kenya to Uganda. When we got to Uganda, Uga- the, the border, we got a security guy named Gary Skeen who's with me, and we couldn't ride across with the van. We had to walk. And I remember paying the $100 to the guy who was in the little block building on the Kenya side so he could go across the border. And uh, as we walked across, I shared with Gary, I said, I think we're in no man's land. He said, what? I said, yeah. I said, there's no law here. I said, I told him the story of how I read that. And he said, well, thanks for telling me. We're right in the middle of this place now. (laughs) And uh, as we walked across, we we went into Uganda, and there is a young pastor named Wondera Paul who was trained to be a witch doctor for three years and had a vision of Jesus and got saved, became a pastor. Wow. Radically changed. I saw him lead a beggar to Jesus right there in Uganda. On the edge of no man's land, I saw somebody come to life and come to realize that they're deeply loved. I watched it. And I asked him, I said, is it true that we just came across no man's land? He said, oh, yes. Pastor Wandera told me, he said, there used to be a time when you didn't want to come across at certain times because you could really be hurt and harmed. But now both sides have taken jurisdiction and it's not as bad as it used to be. And I saw Gary take a deep sigh of relief uh, as we were standing there hearing that. Uh, I want to tell you that no man's land is no place for anybody to live. I want to take you over to, uh, I got an ocean to put in a thimble again, right? You're amazing. So let me build your faith first. How many believe in the goodness of God? I want to tell you, it's not good cop, bad cop. Jesus didn't come to save us from the bad cop. Jesus was not the answer to God's bad reputation. Come on, it's okay. You can smile. He's not the, he didn't come to, to keep God from, and God didn't, he didn't murder his son. No. Religions taught us. When you read over in Isaiah 54, it said, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God. That word esteem means we calculated and we figured he was. But he wasn't. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You deserve to be healed. Come on, somebody. You deserve his love. Now, hang with me. The goodness of God, Psalm 3410. Let me see. Let me check my time. So I'm going to be very mindful. I know Turning Point has family coming in today, and we want to be mindful of that. And uh, 1130, I got 27 minutes, okay? So I can do it, right? I love you dearly. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Bethel. We, we want you to know that we don't take it for granted that you've come to be in church with us. I love this lady right here. She's called Mama C. And uh, we're grateful for the connection. It's amazing. So when you go to the scriptures, Psalm 3410 says, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Psalm 84, 10. 
The Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly before Him. Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is in me, bless the Lord. That's not what He can do for me. That's what I can do for Him. Forget not all His benefits. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He heals me of all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy so that my, my, my youth is renewed like the eagle. Satisfies my mouth with good things. That's not what goes in. That's what comes out. Come on. You can speak life or you can speak death. It's about the heart. Jesus said, whatever comes out of your mouth comes from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, how many know that words are an expression of an inaudible thought? By words, we reveal our, our thinking, our agenda, our idea. How many know, a, a wise man once said, and you've probably heard this, be careful what you think because thoughts become words. Be careful what you say because words become actions. Be careful how you act because actions become habit. Be careful what you allow to be a habit because your habit becomes character. Be careful about your character because your character becomes destiny. So you understand Psalm 103. He said, he satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. But he didn't stop there. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, if you be an evil, know how to give good things to your children. I know how. This woman knows how. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good things to those that ask him? And he wants us to ask because he loves conversation with us. He loves the intimacy, the, the fellowship. He loves that. And I've discovered that. Now, uh, you, you move over a little further to Philippians 1.6. It says, being confident of this very thing that he that started a good work and you will complete it till the day of Jesus. Philippians 2.13, for it is God that works in you because he's willing to do his good pleasure. James 1.17, here you go. Every good gift, look around you. Do you know every life, every person in this room is a gift? Your you, come on, don't measure yourself by others. Don't measure yourself by others' opinions. You are a gift. Your life is important. It, it matters to God. Every good gift, every perfect gift come from above, from the Father of lights. Now, Notice he didn't say the creator of lights. He said the father of lights. You can only be father of lights if you give birth to something. Guess who the lights are? You are. Jesus said, he first said, I am the light of the world. Then he said, you were the light of the world. The father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In an ever-changing world, he never changes. That means his love for you is never diminished. If it were diminished, it would not be perfect love. If it d diminished one degree, it wouldn't be perfect love. Now let's go, uh, help me somebody, pray for me. Because, uh, ooh, this is so 
like fire will in me. It's amazing. Luke 15. I want to show you something. I know you've probably heard. I've preached on these parables. But there's a reason Jesus gives the parables. These parables are stories of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Let me tell you something about lost. Lost does not mean kicked to the curb or forgotten. Lost is an indication of something that's precious. Something that, how many know if a child was lost, the whole community would show up to look for them? Come on, you understand lost only reveals the value of something. And when you think about lost, we, we have all these concepts and religion has taught us something about being lost and, and, and it's not pharisaical. That's not the mindset we want. And I'm going to show you why. So when we think about lost, it means something of value, something that someone owns. So in the three parables, the reason Jesus tells these parables is because he encounters the Pharisees. And it says, you've heard me preach the message of the scripture, the, the, the story of Jesus' call for Matthew. And Matthew was a tax collector. He was a Jew, but he was also a tax collector and hired by the Roman government. They despised him too because he had, he had betrayed his own people. But he was the most despised. You talk about lonely. Matthew was called, they called tax collectors scum. They called them scavenger dogs. If a Pharisee rubbed up against a tax collector, they would go home and wash their clothes and take a bath. Every, every Sabbath day, they would have the names of tax collectors and sinners on a list that the Pharisees would read in the synagogue. And Matthew's name was on that list. But one day, there came a day when Jesus saw a man He's looking at Matthew. He didn't see scum. He didn't see the scavenger dog. He didn't see the tag that everybody else had put on him. He saw a man and he said, come follow me. Whoa. Matthew leaves it all. He's wealthy now. He's like a government-sponsored mafia in Capernaum. Tax collectors were, they had the backing of the Roman government. So they, would, they could take anything they wanted. And Matthew was very wealthy. He lived in the finest house in Capernaum and he left it all. What did he see in the eyes of Jesus? He saw a man that loved him and he began to see himself like Jesus saw him. How easy it is for us to see ourselves the way other people describe us. And usually we have a thought about ourselves uh, and we have this this. this Come on now, let's just be transparent today. I'm going to be transparent because I've always had this, uh, until the Lord began to heal me from it, I had this concept of what other people thought about me. Yes. Don't we all do that? We, we're human, right? But Jesus comes into our humanity to show us you don't have to be in that trap. Because he wanted to show us what he thought about us. 
So we, yeah, come on, he's worthy. Many dishonor, here's the tra Passion Translation in, in Luke 15. Here's how it started. Many dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners often gathered around to listen as Jesus taught the people. This raised concerns among the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, experts of the law. Indignant, they grumbled and complained, said, Look at how this man associates with all these notorious sinners and welcomes them all to come to him. And in response, Jesus begins to tell the parable of the lost sheep. How many know that sheep, even though it was lost, never lost its value? He left 99 to go after that one because that sheep was valuable to the shepherd. He would, he would, uh, he would face enemies. He would face predators. He would face uh, the cliffs and all the other uh, perils of the wilderness to find that one sheep because that sheep had value. The woman in the lost coin. Do you know that it was probably a headband or a necklace that she carried 10 coins in? It represented to a woman of that day, it represented someone who's married. And anytime she left home, she would wear that, showing that I belong to somebody. And he's. He loves me so much, he's going to take care of me. But she lost one of the coins in that. She couldn't leave. So that's why she begins to search. Uh, do you know in their homes in that day, that they would cover it and the, the floors were dirt. But it would be covered in like uh, all kind of uh, uh, stalks of, of whatever they had available to, to have a covering and underneath that, all kind of critters probably grew and flourished. But one day she lost the coin in that. Like finding a needle in a haystack. But she took, it was so valuable to her. The coin didn't lose its value because it was missing. Come on, you understand. She took, takes and she lights a light in the house because the only windows they had were up high. And she lit up the house so she could sweep the floor and look diligently on her hands and knees to find that one coin because that represented something that was so precious to her. You, you, you going with me? Jesus. Considering those Notorious sinners and the tax collectors. <laughs> they're precious. They're valuable. Then we find the story of the son. When she found the coin, the Bible says, when he found the sheep, he put it on his shoulders. And, and he called for a celebration. He said, come and rejoice with me. Translation is come and Rejoice together with me. Now rejoice is a very powerful word in the Greek. It means to jump up and spin around. Amen. Come and rejoice for me. For that that was lost, I found it. The coin, when she found it, she called all of her neighbors. She called all of her friends. And she said, come and rejoice with me. 
Ooh, let's dance and celebrate because I found it. The well, next story is one they called the story of the prodigal son. I don't believe that's a very good title. I think it's the story of the heart of the father. Amen. This embellish me for a moment. The heart of the father. A young, there's, he had two sons. Jesus tells the parable. He had two sons and the youngest came to his father one day and said, give me the portion of inheritance that comes to me. Now, it was very, it was, it was very disrespectful for somebody to ask for their inheritance before their father died. He's actually saying to the father, go ahead and give me what's coming to me. Your, your inheritance, give, give me my inheritance, which would be one third. He's actually saying, I wish you were dead. Give me what's coming to me. So the Bible said he didn't just give him the inheritance. He gave both boys. He gave to them the inheritance. Now the older son, remember, he's the eldest. And by tradition and by the law of the scripture, he gives him two thirds. He gets more than the young son. But he decides to hang around and stay at home. The young man leaves and goes on a journey into uncharted territory. And the Bible said he wasted his substance. Everything. He gave away his life. His father, he wasted his inheritance. And there was a famine that came to the land. Come on, you understand. There are 13 famines mentioned in the scriptures. None of them lasted forever. But this was a moment when food was scarce. So he goes out and he's hired by a farmer to feed the pigs. What a disgrace for him. I like bacon as good as anybody, but for an Orthodox person in that day who was raised in that culture had nothing to do with pigs. So it was very, very uh, unlikely that he felt good about himself as he was out there feeding the pigs. Now he's barefoot. He's probably smelling like the pig pen. And the Bible said he was about to eat the slop. And he came to himself. In, all, in, in that passage, you'll find the word repentance. That word repentance, it, it, means to, it means to do penance over and over. Re means to do it over and over. Penance. Do penance over and over. That's an antiquated word. It was placed there in the 1200s. If you look up the definition of repentance, it, it goes to the word metanoia. Metanoia is a radical change in the way you think. We, we all try to do beha behavior modification. I tried to fix me for years. There were things I was doing, man, I just couldn't, it, I couldn't help myself. And, and when it was over, I, I said, Lord, I, I just need to go in a different, I, I need to fix this. But I found out I couldn't fix it. I tried behavior modification before I discovered who I was, who God saw me to be. I couldn't fix me till I had a radical change in the way I thought. Remember thoughts? I had to have a radical change in my perception of the Father. Because I always thought that he was quite disappointed with me. 
I always thought, and, and most likely that young man f- probably figured after he had left with all of his father's inheritance and wasted it all, his father would be disappointed with him. Boy, was he mistaken. Was I mistaken. I couldn't do behavior modification. But I came to discover something. I, disca- I came to discover Galatians 2.20 that says I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm living. It's not me living. It's Christ living in me. And the life I live, now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's not the faith in the Son of God. That's the faith of. That's what he believes about me. I live my life according to what he believes about me. Come on. Let that sink in for a moment. That's not pride and arrogance. That's a very humble place to be because your creator uh, created and put his fingerprints on your life and had such a desire to come into humanity, into our brokenness, into our darkness, to bring us into the place of a total restoration so that our mind, will, and emotions become whole and we come to a place where we realize not uh, perfect, we're being perfected. He'll perfect that that concerns me. But you understand, I've learned something over the years that when I begin to see myself like he sees me (coughs) keep me out of the pig pen that young man was in the pig pen and he came to himself the bible said he said what am I doing here how many servants does my father have in his house and they never go hungry I know what I'm not even worthy to be called his son I'll go home And I'll tell my father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a slave. Make me one of your servants. And he rehearsed that. No doubt on his way home, he's thinking what he's going to say to his father. Because he knows he's disappointed with him. He knows he's probably going to have to really, really uh, develop trust again. But the Bible said as he's coming down the road, while he's a great way off, his father sees him coming. He don't look like he did when he left. He left with a caravan. Now he's coming back in rags, barefooted and dirty. But he recognizes his son Because just because he did all that did not negate the fact that he was still. So the father runs and falls on his son and kisses him on the neck. That word kiss is the same word for Genesis. And the Spirit of God moved. That word moved. It means to be, to sat. Uh, In Acts 2, it said in the Spirit of God, uh, there was cloven tongues of fire and it sat upon each of them. When the father fell on his neck, he coming to a place where he settles in on his son. And his son begins to rehearse what he's been rehearsing. And the father cuts him off. Let me read it. I want you to see this. He cuts him off before he can even finish. He never even responds to it. Let me see if I can get this. Yep, here we go. Verse 21, this is from the Passion. Let's go to 20. 
I got six minutes, okay? I'm going to do it. So the young son set off for home from a long distance away. His father saw him coming dressed as a beggar. Great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And his father cuts him off. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. I believe he looked at him and said, You are my son. Come on, I want you to let that sink in a minute. Just because he was out there did not mean he stopped being the son. Just because you've been hanging out in places that maybe you feel disconnected and maybe you feel like the father's disappointed with you. I beg to differ with you because uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, you didn't stop being who God saw you to be. Amen. <sighs> Turning to his servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe. Who had the best robe? <laughs> father. That man, the, the young boy didn't bring any clothes with him. He didn't even have any shoes. So guess what? The father, bring the best robe. Bring the ring. The ring is a sign of sonship. It's like the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He's the down payment. He's the engagement ring. Meaning, ooh, he's like the necklace with 10 coins. We belong. And, and when he said, put a ring, put shoes on his feet. Go kill the fatted calf and let's make merry for this my son that was dead is now alive. Once he was lost, now he's found. Everyone celebrated with overflowing joy and he said, come and rejoice with me. Now notice that word rejoice. Every time he tells the parable of the sheep, the coin, and the son. There's rejoicing. Let me give you a verse. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord in your midst is mighty. He will save. He will joy over you with rejoicing. That's singing. He'll sing over you with a song. He'll, he'll rejoice over you with joy. You know what that means? That means to dance, to, do a, to spin around and celebrate your victory, your, your knowledge of who you are. Metanoia, a radical change in the way we think. That young man was celebrating while he was, they were hearing the music. The older brother heard the celebration, asked a servant, what's going on? Your brother has come home and your father's celebrating. And the, the older brother was, that's kind of like religion. Because the father comes out, it would be a disc. The, the older brother is supposed to help host this party. It was tradition for him to help host the party. But he's caught up in himself and all his works. And he's, he's, he's thinking about what the father never did. Instead of all the father had already done. So the father comes out to try to compel him to come into the party. He said, I've been with you all these years. Watch religion. I've been with you all, all these years. 
And I've done all this for you. You never offered to sacrifice the fatted calf, kill the fatted calf and throw a party for me and my friends. And the father said, son, everything that I have is yours. Everything has always been at your fingertips. If you didn't have a party, it's because you didn't choose to have one. Come on, if you didn't, you didn't have the fatted calf, it's because you didn't choose to have one. Come on, somebody. Woo, look at your neighbor and tell them you can have it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to stand with me. How does the Father see you? How do you see yourself? This past week, we had this whole, for two days, two and a half days, our whole, one of our upstairs unit had gone out. They had to replace the whole thing. And, and it's situated, the hair handlers are, there's two of them, one for downstairs and upstairs. The one that had to be changed was on the other side of a little tight room where the, the one that was working was blocking. We paid an astronomical price. We had to pay the labor to have that one moved so they get the broken one out. But in the meanwhile, the gas hot water heater is right there. And whatever happened caused the pilot light to quit working and there was no fire. We called our warranty company. They said they called another local plumber that said it's going to be Tuesday. That would be eight days without water, hot water. Eight days. And so Friday, I just said, Lord, Holy Spirit, you know exactly where the problem is. Because they, they died, these, these guys were, they're young, nice as they could be. They looked at everything. They tried for an hour to get it lit. And, and they said, it's the bad valve in the, in the, in the unit. You got to have the whole thing replaced. You, get, you have to get a plumber. So I prayed. I said, Lord, you know. I said, and you want it? You can show me. I said, Lord, I know what your word says. You are faithful and you're not a man that you should lie. And you said, Lord Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That Lord, you'll supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And I've read about the, the, the heart of the father that loved his son, that he looked over his past and looked at him in the moment and said, you are my son. Well, I spent a couple, I went down a couple of days. The first day I got it lit and, and uh, man, the fire came on and we got hot water. But when the, the main burner went out, the pilot light went out too. I said, oh Lord, I know you're going to show me. So I went down and did, did another inspection and I found a little gas line to the pilot light. It was pinched. So I took my little pliers and I opened that fuel up. 
I lit that thing, and it's still going. Come on. So you can rest easy. We did get a shower this morning in the hot water, and, and it, was, it was grand. It was glo- I just began to praise the Lord. I said, thank you, Lord, that you show us what we need because you love us that much. You get involved in every detail of our life. I want to tell you, he loves you. You don't have to ever feel like you're not good enough. You never have to see yourself. You'll never have to feel like an orphan. I know people with both parents who feel like orphans. They're orphaned, the spirit of rejection. That young man was probably fighting those feelings. But he discovered something that made him whole. Somebody said, well, he put his robe on him to cover up his... No, he did not. He put his robe on him because he's his son. He put his robe on him uh, to let him know he's still in the family. Come on, I want want to pray for you. And if you're here for the next, I'll, I'll take, let's say two minutes. If you're here and you've struggled with beloved identity, you struggle with who you are. I'm telling you, you deserve to be whole. You deserve to be healed. How many times has religion made you feel like you don't deserve this? I've heard people say, Lord, I'm not worthy. That's so wrong. You're created in his image. What can you do? What could that young son do to make himself worthy? Nothing. Just show up. Metanoia, a radical change in the way we think. I am deeply loved. You are deeply loved. So if you're here, I won't ask you to bow your head and and close your eyes. Uh, If you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to know that love in the deepest measure possible. I want him to reveal himself to me as my father. And I want to walk in that wholeness and healing that he's provided already. Slip up your hand right there where you are. Yeah, I see those hands. God bless you. 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 I don't have to lay my hands on you. I could. But how many know if you read this history of Jesus, it didn't matter if he touched someone or they touched him. The results was going to be the same. He cares about where you are. Like the message, we've got to let him love us. We got to get all this stinking thinking. This all this idea that we don't measure up. We gotta we gotta understand Jesus made us. He he came to bring us back to the Father. So I want to pray for you right now. You ready? I want you to receive this in your heart. Father, thank you for that love. Thank you for the provision that you've given us. Lord, we're sustained from faith to faith. We are 
We are strong from strength to strength and your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, we don't know everything, but God, we know you. And we pray right now in the name of Jesus that you'll go to the heart of every person that raised their hand, every person that maybe were a little intimidated to raise their hand. And I pray, Father, that you would move mightily on their behalf, that you'll un uncover this matchless, amazing, incredible love that you have for them, Father. Lord, I thank you that, Lord Jesus, you didn't come uh, to be disappointed with us, but you came into our humanity. You invaded our humanity to, to show us through uh, the Son who was God in Christ reconciling the world to show us what you're like. And we thank you, Father, as we see Jesus, we see you. And Lord, as we hear Jesus, we hear you. And Lord, we want to live in the wholeness and the fullness of who you created us to be. We give you glory, Father. We're coming home today. We're coming home. And Lord, we thank you for the robe, the ring, the shoes. We thank you for the celebration that we're entering into right now. Thank you for your love. We praise you for your love in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.